0: Welcome back to Dev Dive episode seventeen. As always, I'm your host Nighthawk. I'm joined today by my co-host Riot Legend Larry, and our guest today is Travis Gafford, a long-standing pillar of Hello. the League of Legends content community. What's up, Travis? Welcome
1: to the show. Good, good to be here. Good to be here. Um, yeah, and I know you and I have been trying to coordinate a timing on this wrong <laughs> time, and I kind of gave you the runaround, and and you have done what I have had to do so many times and just be persistent in your in your bugging of me and. Uh, <laughs> And and so now we finally have have arrived at this episode.
0: All that doesn't matter anymore. We made it happen. We're here. Uh, unfortunately, we only have an hour today, so we're gonna have to keep it short. So why don't we start right, jumping into the questions? And we'll start with, uh, how did you actually get started doing interviews and content creation in the first place?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, some people might have heard uh, the story a couple times, so I forgive anybody who's who's heard me say it. But um, you know, basically in 2011, I had just graduated university and uh was trying to find a role in the gaming space. I actually applied for a job at Riot and I I envisioned myself being a producer at a game company because I knew I liked gaming a lot but did not feel like I was like an artist or a programmer, you know, most of the the things that people tend to associate uh with that, but felt like, you know, maybe I could I could bring a team together and and help uh finish a project that way. And so that was sort of my goal. Um Around that same time, Doublelift had posted a thread to Reddit about how he'd gotten kicked out of his place. And it just so happened that he lived uh, relatively close to me, about an hour away. And we had had a roommate that was moving out soon. And so uh, I had identified with his situation at the time. He was just about to go to college. Ended up not doing that. But the summer before my college, for a variety of reasons, I uh, was couch surfing. And so... Reached out to him, said, "Hey, maybe you can uh, crash here." Was not really following the League of Legends esports space at the time. My girlfriend, ex-girlfriend, um, she at the time girlfriend, she uh, she followed it more. I followed StarCraft Two esports, and so I knew who he was. But um, you know, this it's not. People might think about it through the lens of of today, where it's like random Reddit user reaching out to like big name League of Legends star, but like. You know, the game was very small um, as an eSport at the time. And so I just pinged him. Uh, He came and crashed with me. I remember I'd brought him to uh, his orientation at UC Irvine. And I think it was when he came back, he said he had decided that he was not going to uh, go because of uh, financial constraints. He didn't have any money and like, couldn't get aid because he was still uh, connected to his parents at that that time financially. I mean, within the eyes of the university. So he said that he was going to do esports stuff because Curse had started to pay him to, to write some guides. And I, I said, you know, I wish I could do something in esports, but saw no opportunity there. He said, well, you, you have a communication studies degree. You should just interview pros. Nobody's doing that. Um, and so, at that in that moment, I kind of reflected on why I liked StarCraft II esports so much more than League esports at the time, and why I cared so much more about it. I realized it was because there was all this content being made in the StarCraft II space to help me know who to root for, or root against, understand what was happening at the high level. And so, I uh, I reached out to JP, um, who used to do a show called State of the Game, which was my favorite show in StarCraft at the time wanted to create a version of it called State of the League that I thought would work well for uh, League of Legends. And perhaps, you know, I did not see it as, like, a career starter. I saw it as, like, this is a differentiator for interview. Like, when I'm interviewing for a job at a game company, I can say, hey, look, this is a project that I do, you know, Um, and and had no idea that League Esports would take the path it did and that I would end up in the, the situation that I'm in.
0: That's a great story. So, uh Do you think yeah. Doublelift regrets Very not? Very rehearsed yeah. story because I've
1: said it so <laughs> many times. But uh hopefully you'll forgive my my long rambling. uh Roll, stroll down th- uh, memory lane. Do you
0: think Doublelift regrets not going to uh, UC Irvine?
1: I don't. <laughs> um I think things have worked out fairly well for him on a number of levels. So, and I and I don't regret, like I, <clears throat> I've told the story before there's like i think it was like a a person on twitter um who was a friend of mine maybe five or six years ago that talked about how they got declined for a job at riot and i actually got declined uh, for a job at riot twice because i applied for an internship in college and then like a player support position right afterwards and i I remember at the time I was devastated, and now I am, I am quite happy that uh, I get to be a thorn in the side of the company at, at some times, um, rather than, than being, being necessarily a part of it. And I, I have a lot of great friends over there. I have no, no offense to anybody who works at Riot, um, but I, I do enjoy the sort of the angle I get to play within the ecosystem.
0: Larry, did you, did you get your job uh, at your first interview at Riot? Was that your first time applying?
2: Uh, no, I applied, I think, once before for a QA position. Um, and then uh, the second time I applied, it was for an art coordinator position. So very, very, very entry level. Um, so all applied, three of us and, have and been
0: rejected to... by Riot <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> at one yeah, point.
2: Yeah, Well, I mean, we just, I think, actually, Ben, ben you and I and Vivi, I think, were talking about this, talking about getting into Riot. And like again, art coordinator, extremely entry level. I had 3 years of experience in in the gaming industry and like I'm like for for an entry level position 3 years like that's kind of the the level that you kind of have to keep in mind for
1: for riot of I mean, that, that That was that was the like I applied in, in 2011 and that was the frustration that I had was that I knew a lot of the people at the company and I was coming out of 4 years of working at uh like in a customer service technical support position uh, at my mm-hmm. university where I had like risen up to be the, the person sort of uh, the, the head student you know mm-hmm. um and had a communication studies degree I in my opinion far surpassed any of the qualifications for the entry level player support position that I was applying for and so yeah. um, they when I got I got declined i I felt like it was the end of the world and I had not realized yet like right should have hired me um, this is what like this was the <laughs> sort of the big takeaway that I had, and what I try to tell in the video is that like, and I, I when I go speak at colleges, I tell the story like Riot should have hired me. I think a lot of people, you know, our system is designed to say you aren't good enough if a company doesn't hire you. Oftentimes, the company is just not great at like finding the best candidate or or whatever. And so, yeah, um, that's a sit like I found out later that the head of player support like got fired a couple months later, and the whole division went into a bunch of like a big turmoil or whatever. And it's just like looking back, it's like very clearly I was a great candidate. They were hiring for multiple; It wasn't just like a single role. Um, and, and it was their fault for not hiring me and my benefit that they didn't. Right. Because I, I feel like I'm very happy with the role that I have now.
0: Sometimes when a door 100%. closes, a window opens.
1: Yes. Yeah, exactly. I'll
2: say plus one to plus one to that. It is a lot of times, um, it does feel like that right like they're saying no to you as an individual as a person and really there's so much more to it you know uh like like what you said it is a great example sometimes they don't have their shit together and that's why they're saying no sometimes they're dropping the ball yeah Uh, so yeah definitely i feel that
1: Yeah.
0: yeah so taking a step forward after you sort of got started in making content creation You've done a lot of different stuff over the years. Can you talk a little bit more about the different roles you've had and different companies you've worked for?
1: Yeah, I mean, so when I started the job, so I started uh, State of the League right at the time that I was also taking a QA position on Call of Duty Mo- Modern Warfare Three. Um, and th- like for people that don't know, QA is is normally not very well respected, especially because, um. A lot of these AAA titles, they they sort of farm it out to third-party contractor type things, and that was kind of the situation I was working with at Vivendi, not at Activision, which was like the the public or the owner at the time. And um, it, it it was just a a miserable experience, and I did that for about two weeks, three weeks before I was like I I I was knew that I really loved State League, knew that I wanted to. Uh, invest more time in it and knew that that qa job which i hated was about to become like a a 60 or 70 <laughs> hour a week job and so i i bailed out of that and i had done that i had signed up for that because i was like oh this is a way to get into the industry and i took a part-time job uh working on a like web blog thing so that i could spend a lot of time on mine and then six months later i got several different Kind of like pseudo job offers. Like IPL reached out to me for those that don't remember them. IGN Pro League, they wanted to do something with me. Uh, MLG wanted to do, bring my show onto their network and like because this was when they were doing a bunch of content and they were going to pay me some good money for it. And then I don't even remember what the third. There was a third option as well. And so I I knew I couldn't keep balancing the part time job I had and the full time. So I I made the jump over to. I was like, okay, well, I've got all these opportunities ahead of me. I, I can make this jump sustainably. And then immediately all those things fell through. Like IPL decided that they weren't, they were going to go like a different route. MLG laid off their entire content team. And I, again, I forget what the third one was, but was just, so I, I just lived off of, it was very funny because I streamed my show and I streamed other content on azubu this was before like twitch was even a thing and i i asked for donations like i just solicited like money and donations because so that i could pay my rent and at the time i took a lot of heat for that um now streamers are just like twitch prime everybody subs and bits and and donations it was it's become so um (laughs) so commonplace now but at the time like this was me basically saying like please help me sustain myself while i'm trying to do all this stuff so i worked independently for a while just living off of that and that was really tough and um and and was accruing credit card debt because things would happen like uh i would be told that i could go to like a, a website would tell me like hey we'll send you to pax so that you can cover the in a finals. This was before LCS existed. And I'd plan on it and then it would fall through at the last minute because media companies are awful. And I I would just credit card debt myself into a before Airbnb existed, like an actual bed and breakfast because it was the cheapest thing I could find at PAX last minute. And uh, yeah, I mean, I just, I, I would recommend nobody does that, but that was what I did. Um, and then eventually CBS Interactive knew they wanted to make a play. They own GameSpot. GameSpot wanted to make a play in the eSports space. I started doing contract work for them uh, towards the end of 2012. Then that LCS started in 2013, so I started getting paid day rates to cover LCS for them on the weekends. Originally, it was just going to be the first two weeks, but our views were so good from the coverage. They're like, we're just going to pick you up for the rest of it. Um, and then in 2014, On Gamers launched, which was CBSI's and GameSpot's uh, plan to make like a dedicated, it, you know, what what Yahoo Esports was, what, what ESPN Esports is now, that's what On Gamers was. And I was the League of Legends correspondent. Um, we, a, a series of terrible events took place there. I think it was fairly mismanaged on basically every level. We got Reddit banned, uh, domain banned. That was a fun thing. Oh, damn. And, uh, <laughs> and and the site folded and everybody went away. And then I was the only person left. They just moved me over to GameSpot where I basically worked entirely autonomously for all of 2015. Realized I wanted something new and then went off to go run uh, Yahoo Esports uh, because they were looking to launch something. Started talking to them at the end of 2015 and, and really enjoyed that.
0: Uh, mentioning on gamers and their domain ban, I actually remember when that happened. Uh, and not a lot of people who weren't really into Reddit may know this, but back in the day, Reddit really drove an extraordinary amount of traffic towards a lot of this type of content. So if you couldn't really get your content on the front page or on any any subreddit, it was really hard to grow an audience at that point. And nowadays, there's a lot more yeah. discoverability out there.
1: Yes. Yeah. No. Exactly. I think. You know, and I saw this at Yahoo where stuff started to shift. Where it wasn't like you need to get everything on Reddit, but at the time, there was not, especially for League of Legends. It was like there was no, no other place to to have your content be seen. Like you could try to build up Twitter followings, and that helped a little bit, but like a, a huge amount of the traffic would end up there. Um, And now there's things like, I think, you know, most people are able to swipe left on their phone screen and get access to a bunch of like news articles that pop up. And, and so I think that works. And then YouTube became super algorithmically charged. And, and so what's very funny is I think a lot of people still perceive, you know, like I'll get frustrated whenever a video doesn't go on the league subreddit um, and people will say like, Oh, Travis just wants the views, or this—he's just clickbaiting for the views and stuff. And it's like, actually, I just like the discussion because the view, like, Reddit is like five percent of the traffic on my YouTube channel now. You know, most of it is just like suggested videos or people going to the front page or subs and stuff. So, um, yeah, no, I mean, it—it it was uh pretty like you could see a, a huge dip in the traffic the moment we got domain banned.
0: Yeah, there was a turning point. Um, I don't know exactly when it was. It might have been. Back when the whole uh, vote manipulation drama happened with a bunch of old league content creators, where a lot of content just stopped being the focus of the league subreddit, and you just saw uh, more of a shift towards joke posts, memes, tweets, that kind of thing. And I think it never really recovered past that. Like we still don't see massive views incoming from the league subreddit. Like I was watching a video the other day that got to the top with with something like five thousand, six thousand upvotes. And yeah. I came back a week later, it had like thirty, forty thousand 40,000 views on YouTube, which is very respectable. But it's nowhere near what it used to be, where they, these would drive hundreds to thousands of views.
1: Yeah, and I mean, especially depending on the content. Like, I do think that the, the League subreddit, maybe Reddit in particular, but more and more people just shifted to going straight to the comments. You know, like, mm-hmm. there will be, like, the other day I posted an excerpt um, to my YouTube channel of Golden Glue talking about the the stupid comments he sees when people say, hey, you are only picking, he's only getting picked up on on teams because he's a nice guy and he's not actually doing well or whatever. He had like a really great rebuttal to those comments. So I made a, uh, the headline was something like, you know, Golden Glue responds to people who say only gets picked up because he's a nice guy or something. All the comments in the thread were just all the things he had responded to in the video People had just gone and commented literally the stupid Reddit shit that he had like specifically called out because, it literally, and they were all upvoted and everybody was responding to it because nobody actually watched the video. They just all responded to the title of the thread. And it's just like that is a little frustrating sometimes where, you know, and people get angry because they'll say, hey, this is so clickbait and whatever. And it's like, or they'll say, like, hey, it, it's frustrating because there's this expectation now that you are supposed to put the entire content of the video somehow into like whatever the character limit is of a reddit title otherwise you are clickbaiting um yeah. people have lost all perspective on what that term means and uh and it's like it and people just expect that because they don't want to have to go read the or what read the article or watch the video for the context on what is actually being said you know
0: there should be a feature on Reddit that is enacted where if you hadn't clicked on the link or you hadn't clicked on the link and spent at least five minutes on it, that you have a special flag on your comment that says like, I didn't read, I didn't read the article. I didn't watch
1: the video. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it is aggravating because, and then I go into the comments and I was thinking about this the other day because what's funny is sometimes I will say like, I'll go in and I'll, I'll call the person out and saying like, you didn't even read this or you didn't even watch this. And the person later on will respond and be like, yes, I did. And they'll come up with like very inane reasons to support their argument based off the video. So what they will have done is it's very clear they will have been called out. They will go watch the video and then they will look for like any kind of random ass thing. They get like really sad, pathetic arguments to try to like support their. It's just, it's very funny.
0: I've seen that so much. Uh, It's sort of like an art that redditors have when they respond to the comments where they'll take a little section and they'll write a whole paragraph about it. And then they will take another little section, write a paragraph about it. And they'll yeah. respond to like the most weak points of the argument to make their argument look yes. better. It's just, uh, yes.
1: it just goes, it just goes and they'll ignore everything else. And then you have to either, it's just, it's, it's exhausting. Um, and I, I definitely like it's, I have always continued to engage with that community one, because I think that overall the community is, is worth it. And like, you should not let like the the few bad comments or the, the silly people define you know how you you do it. But I I also think it's it's because because there's so much groupthink that occurs there. It's the type of thing where if you let comments that start to get voted criticizing you or saying stupid things, like it becomes just like the assumed factual opinion like statement on there. You know what I mean? It's like you could say that the sky is is. Somebody could say that the sky is green. People would downvote it. But if they started to say, like, you know, what's really true is that if you look at the sky, it's really, it looks blue, but it's kind of like a shade of green. And then, like, that'll get upvoted. And then other people will start to say, like, you know, it's like a blue-green color. And then, like, two, two or three months later, everyone just universally agrees that the sky is green because it's just been repeated so much on the subreddit. So I, I often feel like I have to get out there and, like, address things uh, before they just perpetuate into this, like, really bizarro, like, fact- factual story. I don't
0: know. Yeah, I don't know. Reddit Reddit is a topic we've talked about so many times on this show, yeah. and it's always just with the same air of frustration. But I'm addicted to it. I've been on Reddit for over nine years, and I just yeah. I cannot stop going back. And
2: there's I mean, something... It's a, it's
1: a great tool, it's, and it's great. It's just, like, it's... it's it is you are sometimes arguing with the mob you know Mm -hmm.
2: i mean and you said it it's a tool right and tools can be used for great good and they could also be used for very stupid reasons (laughs) yeah yeah, Yeah. exactly
0: so hopping back to to sort of the talking points we were looking at um we talked a little bit about it but how was content creation really different back when you first started state of the league you said that there really wasn't a lot out there for this kind of field
1: yeah i mean there was not a lot i mean again twitch did not exist and and there was justin tv and azubu uh it was way easier to amass a ton of views on content because there was nobody else doing it like i remember my like state of the league got like ten thousand viewers constantly and maybe if i did it now it would still get like a shit ton of views right because that was me and like three pro players from different teams and 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 i think that that is in some ways more appealing content than than a lot of the other shows that exist right now hotline league in, included which you can't you can't get three pro players from different teams all to come on a show weekly at the same time so <laughs> every week yeah um uh but yeah i mean it uh, we get like 10,000 viewers uh, consistently and just it, and, and nobody else is doing the content right so it was just a much smaller pie but uh myself and maybe like sometimes one other person would be like capturing all of it. So there was that. Uh, I was way harder to monetize, right? Like nobody was sponsoring this content. Um, The people were just popping up blogspot posts and and websites and, you know, Dignitas was paying people on mouse pads was the meme for like random ass articles so that they could drive traffic to their websites, so that they could deliver it as like the random UK hardware sponsors is like look at the impressions we were able to provide. Like that was how they were delivering value to their brand partner so um it was just yeah wildly different back then
0: yeah okay and this is something that i've been trying to ask a lot more people because i always think it ends up with some funny stories what are some of the biggest mistakes you made over over the years in your career
1: yeah i mean i it's it's difficult because a lot of the mistakes that i made now look like good decisions or like they they brought me to the path that I'm in now. So it's like, well, you know, maybe if I hadn't done that, but, you know, quitting my job, I, I kind of mentioned this, but quitting even the part-time job, because I assumed that there was a lot of opportunities because I'd been told there were opportunities was a, was a bad idea before I had anything like fully signed or contracts or whatever. You know, at the time I was like, I had hit this path where I felt like these two things, like I couldn't pursue building out these other things without doing that. And I, um and so i did that that was that was a big uh mistake i think i had a lot of a lot more faith than i should have in in major media companies to run in in ways that made a lot of sense like most of the things i learned from these companies that i worked at were like how not to do things you know <laughs> It, it was, it was ironic to me at CBSI and I, I met a lot of great people. There's a lot of talented people over there. I don't want to, but it, it like, there were individuals where it's like, it was ironic how much time I, somebody who at the time was like two years out of college, three years out of college spent trying to explain to them like basic concepts of my space that they, somebody who'd like been in the media business for a very long time had no concept of. Um, so I think, you know, I, I wish that I could go back and, like, I, I'm not saying I wouldn't have gone to CBSI or I wouldn't have gone to Yahoo, but I do wish I had been able to better prepare myself for, like, the challenges that I would exp- that I would face in those places. Um, In terms of other mistakes, I mean, I know I've made, like, a slew of them, but it's, oh, okay, I got a good one. I used to be, and, and people will say, like, oh, clearly this is why he doesn't shit talk right when everybody else does it. You know, on certain issues or something now. But, like, I, when I say this, I refer to this a long time ago. I used to be much more intimidated by industry leaders, you know? Um, I remember like Mark and Brandon at Riot felt like these, these gods, especially when they were running the company. And it, it was intimidating to interview them uh, or to talk to them. Uh, Waylon, who, who ran eSports right at the beginning with uh, LCS with Dustin Beck, similar situation, right? Like I found these t- these people to be very intimidating. And it, it took a couple years for me to really realize like, hey, they're just humans. And in some ways, you know, fl- fl- a lot of different ways, you know, like the Spectate Faker stuff with Mark, I know his heart was in the right place, but like it really sort of illustrated how, Wait, could, uh, just jumping in there, could you
0: that. could you explain yeah. what that situation was? Because I know a lot mm-hmm. of people might not be familiar with that. That is a long time ago.
1: By the way, I just realized, I think in the past I said I streamed on Azubu. I was streaming on own 3D TV. Um Own oh, TV, uh, yeah. The Spectate Faker thing made me realize my mistake because it was an Azubu drama where Azubu had rights to Faker stream, and Faker was exclusively on, on Azubu based off of a partnership they had made with Kespa. And... Uh, somebody was independently using the spectator function in League, the League client, to spectate Faker, and that on and stream it on Twitch, and a lot of people they were getting a lot of views, and Azubu issued a entirely illegal DMCA notice against it, and it hit Reddit, and then like nothing happened. You know, nope, Twitch didn't say any, you know right Riot didn't say anything. It was just gonna go forward and um and i i was kind of like is no one gonna like follow up on this like <laughs> highly illegal questionable thing that has occurred and uh and so i did a video about it and and mark somehow got involved where he he took ish, he perceived this as a situation where like the spectate faker person this is the name of the account of the person who was like spectating him and streaming it was like taking advantage of faker or um you know doing doing something inappropriate right where they were using fakers gameplay and like monetizing it for themselves whenever faker should have been able to like monetize that on a Zubu. not in my opinion like the uh most accurate depiction about how everything was going down. Like I I was more issued about the DMCA or more worried about the DMCA issues and all that stuff. But like he came in very emotional, didn't talk to, I think the PR people at riot before he started making some statements and got himself in this like weird kind of hot water situation um, where he, he sort of ran out to like make a public statement before, you know, figuring out how riot wanted to approach the situation. And, um, and so that was just like, that was a situation where like I I really respect Mark and and like him um but it it showed to me like hey a lot of these people are are human and like Mark Mark's humanity was that he he in trying to do the right thing like let his passions and emotions kind of override what would have been a more logical thought process on how to approach it.
0: That's a great story. That's that's probably how many years old is that? That is
1: I mean, it 20... feels like forever ago, but I think that was like twenty fifteen, twenty sixteen. It was not that long ago.
0: That's a long time in in the league. The league spirit. That's season five, I think. Season four, season yeah. five.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. So, jumping to the other side of the spectrum, what are some of like the standout moments in your career that you've had so far? Like, what are the things that you think back on and say, like, "Wow, I cannot believe I got to do that," or "I cannot believe I got to meet that person."
1: Um, I. I really loved running the Yahoo Esports team. Uh hiring the the people that I I hired there and and not I didn't hire everybody. Some of them were hired before I got there. But like that was such a standout team of of remarkable individuals and I was so proud of what we were accomplishing and I I just like like that's where Ovaly got hired, right? And and now she's gone on to to grow to be this this amazing individual and and uh, Broden, who I still work with, but is now wildly successful. We hired him out of college, right? Like I, I knew he was going to graduate and we picked him up as, as a full-time hire. Other people, I was able to get like visas to move to the US and and in some cases they're still living here doing uh, different jobs and all that stuff. And so, and, and the content we were able to make and the, the coverage and, and the fact that, you know that's the only time in my career where I've really transcended like people know me as like the league of legends guy, but I was hiring and managing and building out all these other pillars with experts from, you know, CS go and, uh, fighting games and, and all this stuff. So that was, um, that was really like, I, we still have a Yahoo eSport discord where we all still hang out and connect. And so that I think was such a, a huge highlight and maybe the thing that I am, I am most proud of. And, uh, i don't know you know obviously some issues but i think i think something i'm really really proud of in terms of like anybody that i've i've ever met i mean i've met some really cool people uh rick fox is a great guy and i i think that's a situation where it's like my family can kind of get an idea of like (laughs) the the level that we're at on this stuff you know I remember one time I, we filmed a video and I just got to go in early and sit down at the, on the stage at, uh, I think it was Madison Square Garden to like film the way, uh, a whole piece on the way that Wright was handling audio cancellation stuff. Um, and it's just like these, these really cool moments that you just are not gonna be able to, you know, they're just so unique and so cool. Um, and then just like getting to travel, Getting, you know, so many unique experiences, getting to do, you know, as an as an independent individual now, like doing our, our live hotline league shows where like, hey, we're building this out just just with a, you know, small team and the support of, of a partner, and in some cases not the support of a partner. And that still just feels really cool. You know, it's very validating. Since we're living in, in twenty twenty and
0: events just don't happen right now, uh can you give the the audience some vicarious living through uh, describing like one of the best events that you ever went to.
1: Oh man. I mean, it's very random, but I, I consistently find myself looking back at Miami in, uh, in spring of 2018. It was just a really fun finals event. And I really liked Miami and we did, that was the first time we had done a live hotline league and we did it without a sponsor. Cause our, our hardware partner at the time opted not to, to pick it up and sponsor it. And so we just scrapped it together. <clears throat> and uh, I don't know, I, I got to hang out with a ton of of awesome friends. We have like some vlogs up at the time. And like, it's awesome to be in these giant arenas and it's awesome to be in all these situations. But for some reason, that event, it's just, it. it was such a good experience and I had so much fun time. And so in a world where like, None of these events are happening. It's like that one, for whatever reason, is the one that really stands out to me. is one that I wish I could go back and like re experience. Um, so I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I definitely miss, definitely miss that one. I think that was also the first time uh, Peter won whenever he was on on TL, and that that was really fun because it was sort of the start of the, like the TL uh, dynasty that we saw. Um, so I, I do miss that a lot. And in fact, like. It it has been difficult because this job has some downsides, and I remember back in in 2011 when I was first starting out, it, it was it's really hard because even when you have a lot of people watching your content, you know you kind of get my you have this like disconnect because you see like the Reddit comments and all that stuff. It's hard to like understand that these are real people out there that are actually really appreciating what you're doing, and. The live events were a place where like the shitty comments that occur in, in YouTube or Reddit or Twitter, whatever, those can kind of really stick with you and just put you in a negative place. And then you go to, and, and you start to think like, oh man, like everybody fucking hates my content and everything is terrible. But then you get to go to these events and somebody comes up and it's like, man, I love all your stuff I've been watching. Or, you know, they'll have like a sign that has like a, a meme from something from like, a year ago in your content that you barely remember but for them, this is like, and that stuff actually helps re-energize and reinvigorate me so much, and so, in a world where we don't have that, it has been a really difficult year for me to like try to stay super positive about all the work that I'm doing and and really appreciate the job as as great as it is, you know
0: did you attend l c s regularly, just like during the spring and summer split before they shut down?
1: Yeah, I mean, I was there every weekend doing coverage, right so um that was that was a constant for me
0: yeah so it must be it must be hard coming to come into a yeah. totally online only world even though we all live in yes. a online environment
1: <laughs> yeah and people have been saying that they really like my remote interviews uh it's difficult because it i tend to feel like i'm always doing interviews about the same way i normally do them and people will slingshot between like Travis's interviews suck now and then i'll keep doing them because i'm like i I don't know what to do. I, this is the way I've always done them. And then people will be like, you really took the feedback, and uh, you could tell that these <laughs> interviews are way better now. And uh, I, I was joking with Kobe about this the other day. It's like, it's kind of like they're giving themselves the pat on the shoulder, you know, for like giving the feedback or whatever.
0: I really and, made uh, his interviews better.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly, right? Like, we, we did it, Reddit. Just making a hate thread about him has now has now... <laughs> has has enabled his content to be so much better um <laughs> so i uh i don't know it's it's difficult i think um yeah i guess i was just gonna say you know i'm doing the content people say it's good i think it's harder to to do this content and i think i don't know if it's always as good uh, especially because i think in person it's way able to way it's way easier for me to connect with the person and like you know pull kind of emotional responses and read how they're going and like Notice the way their posture changes when I ask them a question, and kind of mean like, oh, I can kind of poke fun at them about this or so. You know, um, it's harder to do that whenever you're you're doing something over a video call.
0: Definitely, Larry. I feel like I've been uh, steamrolling you. Did you have anything you wanted to talk about over the last few questions I've been asking?
1: No, no,
2: it's all been really great. I, uh, you know, I I I don't follow the uh, esports scene as closely um, as some of my friends, uh, Ben, uh, but. One thing that, the one thing that I, I guess I would love to hear from you, Travis, is starting out, like looking at the the breadth of your career. Um, what would you say were the major skills that you learned along the way that kept you, uh, that kept propelling you forward? That's something that that yeah. always intrigues me.
1: It's difficult. I don't. I don't think I can really sum them up as skills, but mm-hmm. I think one area. Okay. A lot of people think that my job is just the the actual content creation, right? It's like the job is turning the camera on, making the video, posting the video. And in reality, much like, like the tip of the iceberg, right? Like that is just a small portion of what it is. Like if I, if I live far away, just showed up, had a conversation with somebody left, like I don't think that I would be able to succeed as much in the role for a variety of reasons. Like I might not know as much about the player. I might not have heard funny anecdotes about them that I can bring up in the con- in in the content that I'm doing with them. I I I in in covering a riot thing, right? Like I'm I, I'm planning on doing a video soon where I'm I'm going to talk about how I I have a theory that Riot will go exclusive with either YouTube or Twitch next year. That that is a video I cannot do unless I have like learned a lot about how other game companies are handling things and learned about you know the motivations of Riot as a company and how the goals of the LCS have changed in you know from 2013 to 2020. Um, And so that is, I think I think it's it's been really important for me to stay just hyper connected and follow sort of the pulse of the industry and chat to a lot of different people and all that kind of stuff. Um, that is that is where most of my work is done, I think. Um, you know, even just down to like relationship building and that kind of thing. And I think that's why other people don't succeed, potentially, even if their content can be decent. Um, or at least I shouldn't say don't succeed, but don't succeed um, at the levels that other others do in the space. It's because they don't understand that, so much of this job is like the stuff that is not the exact content creation, you know.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot more substance uh to um to the research, to the work that you do and I think that I think that does really come across. Like you can tell when someone did their homework versus yeah. when someone didn't. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's like you have to be authentic to the world that you're in. That's why people have not like people have asked me like, "Oh, would you ever go do Overwatch? Would you ever go do Whatever, especially Fortnite. Whenever these games start to to pop up, people are like, "Would you go do that?" And and in, I'm never saying no. You know, it's not like a, I would never do that. In fact, in some places, I have done a little bit of that content as sort of like a from the perspective of an outsider. But I don't mm-hmm. think that e- even if I have time, like maybe you know, let's say suddenly a, a Valorant tournament started happening, and they were Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and I could still cover LCS. It's like. I might I might try to do some Valorant stuff. It's just like it'll become so much more work for me because I will have to immerse myself into the Valorant world, meet all the different people that are creating content there and doing things and making decisions and running teams and playing and like that is that is a lot. And so people will say like, Oh, I mean, Travis just does these interviews on on Friday, Saturday, Sunday and sometimes my weeks are quite light, uh, but other times they're quite intense and a lot of it is just like catching up with people and talking about stuff, you know.
0: Yeah. And it's so easy for, I think, anyone. I, I've been guilty of this, too, to look in from an outsider's perspective and just say, like, oh, he's just making a video. He's just doing this. He's That job is so easy. I could do that. But once you get put right. in that hot seat, once the lights <laughs> turn on, once the camera starts rolling, it can be a lot more difficult than some people think.
1: Yeah, and sometimes it's not about it's the stuff that happens beforehand, right? Like, the politics of the space are exhausting. You know, like, there are there are certain teams that will do that'll give you every interview you want, and then there are other teams where like you suddenly not are not getting interviews from them, and you have to wonder like, did I say something that pissed them off? Is this like are they just randomly deciding that they don't want to do interviews right now like uh, you know it's just, it's just like you have to decide if you want to go investigate all that it is just like it's so frustrating to have to like deal with all that stuff, you know, and, and the space is still emerging, and the p- players that are in it, most teams still don't have, like, PR professionals with them, or people whose job it is to, like, maintain the relationship, so it's just, um, yeah, it is it is exhausting.
2: So,
0: I wanted to, oh, sorry, Larry, were you going to say something?
2: Oh, no, I was just just, <laughs> uh, uh, that is, I have a great appreciation for anyone who has to um, put their, put their time in that, in that arena, <laughs> uh that is, i don't have the the patience yeah <laughs> to to do that i have the tact not the patience there's
0: there yeah, exactly. a very tactful person
1: yeah all right I, I uh yeah it can be it can be difficult
0: i wanted to bounce this off anything, of... like i'm just complaining okay. a ton
1: i mean i i love the job i don't mean to just <laughs> highlight these things it's just sort of like these are the things that i i normally don't talk about because you know who it's not like I'm going to suddenly start whining about about this stuff. In some cases, I do, but for the most part, like I, I try to avoid whining about things because I do feel like I have a pretty cool gig.
0: I think I think it's important yeah, I mean, for it, people to know the downsides of anything yeah. because it's so easy to get caught in the yep. the fallacy that everything is better. The grass is always greener. Like, oh, Travis great. is so happy; he's doing his job. There's no issues whatsoever. He's just having a great time. It's I think it's important for people to know that. Every job, everything that somebody does, there's downsides yeah. to it. There's hardships. There's struggle.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, it, was, uh, it was frustrating.
2: Yeah, there's a there's a book that I I like to refer to. It's the the subtle art of not giving a fuck. And I don't know if I can say fuck, but I've said it twice. Um, go ahead yeah, on, okay. That there's a there's a thing. <laughs> there's a there was a line in there that really kind of struck home for me. It was saying that. Um, life is you, um, overcoming or addressing a series of problems or challenges. Like that's what life is. As soon as you solve one, you, you solve the next one after that and the next one after that. And they say that the point or the, um, the, uh, goal though, is to make sure that the problems you are addressing or solving are the problems that you actually want to address or solve. That doesn't mean that they are not problems. That doesn't right. mean that you're not, you know, that you're, you're living a great life. It's you actually want to have that struggle. You want to address those things.
1: Yeah, you're choosing your path, essentially, yeah. Yeah.
0: All right, I'm going to bring us forward because I know we're, we're actually running out of time. We're already at 5.45. Um, yeah, I sorry. wanted to talk about...
1: No, right. <laughs> you're going off on a tangent.
0: <laughs> no, 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 it's great. This is... This is That's
2: what the show's about. The yeah. show is all tangents. <laughs>
0: There's probably like eight <laughs> clips out there of me saying like, oh, this is just tangents, the show. But today we have to stay a little bit more focused just because of time constraints. Um, so I actually wanted to bounce this off of both of you because I know I don't want to be the victim of confirmation bias and it's hard for me because I'm so zoned in on stuff, but have either of you noticed a more recent shift towards like long form league content, like more talk shows, more podcasts, more interviews like you do, Travis, you've been doing it forever, but I think I've seen over the past year or so, more and more of these content just appearing.
1: I mean, I'll let Larry answer first because I I have an answer.
2: Oh, uh, well, that that's interesting. I I never really thought of them as long form, um, but I, I think I would attribute it to the idea of people of, of twenty of just twenty twenty being twenty twenty that people have found time on their hands and they're you know they they're starting to do these things and and so we might like in my mind might see an uptick, but then again that you know that goes back to the point uh, you know Travis had, had talked about about like doing your homework versus just doing it so um i i would say that that no not in the i haven't seen an uptick in long form content similar to what Travis has been providing and putting out there not on that same caliber i think that's still um that's still a like creme de la creme or like that that high production or effort value but more league content or more um game content i could definitely see that being an uptick uh due to the the situation that we're in
1: yeah and i i mean i think so i know larry you have more of a perspective of like the outside esports stuff i think i think in esports specifically. I don't see it I would agree with Larry. I don't see it outside of esports, but I think in esports we've seen a lot. There are so many shows now. And I I think part of the reason that is is because um people are realizing that long-form content on Twitch is so valuable. Uh like you you can actually uh, good example. I spend way more time making content for YouTube and I make way more content on on YouTube, like way more content goes out there. Twitch usually gives me about twice as much money as YouTube does. Uh, when I'm just talking, like not talking about sponsorship or whatever, but just like revenue from, you know, comparing YouTube ad revenue and YouTube red revenue to like subscribers and all that stuff. And so I think that heavily incentivizes people to make these long form pieces of content because they're it's going on Twitch and you can, you can monetize it better. I think uh, also that stuff opens up the opportunity for, like, more controversy. So I think, you know, I'll, I don't think Hotline League is like this, but I do think other shows really love the idea of, like, being controversial, ripping into people, et cetera. And that stuff is, you know, people eat that up, you know? And so that, I think, is part of the reason why that stuff has found a lot of success. It's harder to do that in, in as easy of a way, you know, in a 10-minute in a video um so that is that is one factor for me i've been trying to do more long-form content because the quarantine thing you mentioned i think is part of that because i can now have access to people for longer periods of time <laughs> i've been doing more interviews with like the lec casters um and I, i've got one with with medic coming up this week because they're just people aren't going out it's easier to get <laughs> access to them and I and i think also for me, you know, there are some LCS pro players that I think are great interviewees. I think there's a lot of them are not that are not. And I like the idea of sort of showcasing how great of a conversation I can have with somebody in a longer form discussion uh, that isn't just like, okay, let's rush this down to like the six-minute conversation right after you got out of a game, right? It's like, let's discuss a lot of stuff similar to what you're doing here. So um, I think that's that's what you're saying, you know?
0: Yeah, I love that perspective because I, I, I've i been trying. It's hard. I've been trying to stop making as many Blaken statements on the show and, and yeah. just in general. Uh, Larry has really taught me a lot about just stay, taking a step back and getting a better perspective on things. So I definitely didn't want to say, like, hey, there's been more stuff happening recently. Why do you think that is? But, yeah, yeah. I I really like having <laughs> that perspective from, from somebody who's obviously yeah, been, sure. been doing it for 10 years now or so.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely been a while.
0: All right, um, we flirted with it a little bit, but I think since we're about ten, twelve minutes left in the in the show, why don't we talk and about? We, and
1: we can go a little over. I'm keeping an eye on my text. I know Larry said I think you have to to leave soon, but I I I'm keeping an eye on my phones to, or my phone to see when I'm getting this text.
0: Okay, well, just let <laughs> give me give me a shout and we'll we'll sure. cut it right there. <laughs> um, <Sure. laughs> but where have you seen or where do you see esports as a whole and gaming in general? going over the next few years do you think the COVID situation is going to be a linchpin and it's going to change the course of
1: gaming (laughs) I mean I actually think that COVID and what appears to be an economic recession that will occur because of it is going to be such a great excuse for people when there were a lot of systemic issues with esports as a business to begin with it's like oh yes all these things shut down because that dang covid that wouldn't let us have our events and that dang recession that stopped us getting the funding of our businesses that were just burning cash without actually generating any revenue so i i think that we will see it's very likely we'll see a bit of a dip um in terms of esports like again i think a lot of that will be isolated you know you're already starting to see for instance uh People who bought slots in Overwatch League, or at least one of them, saying that they feel like that was a mistake, and you'll you'll start to see some of these esports tend to to pull back a bit. Um, but I, I think overall, like I'm not too worried about the future of the industry, especially because I I, I kind of hate the term esports because it's <laughs> such a broad and useless term. And, and actually, what esports is is part of this bigger event that is occurring, right? Which is I almost want to call it like entertainment gaming, um, where you you have all these people going into streaming, and and actually streaming is the thing that's taking off, and like di- there's different versions of that that is occurring, um, and so it's it's like yeah, these competitive events. And the the stuff that occurs around them is like definitely a big part of, of the, I don't know, Venn diagram, but the, all the stuff that we're seeing. I mean, whenever you had Ninja on Twitch pulling numbers that, I I think at one point in time he was like number two on Twitch behind like the League of Legends YouTube channel because, but obviously was spending nothing to create his his content versus like what Riot was doing. Like, there's a really important like lesson and thought that should go through there. Um, but I don't know if we ever do because we've we've decided that we're gonna call this thing esports and this other thing like Twitch streaming and like so uh I think overall like the direction of of streaming and content and the different ways in which that'll take place and the different types of content, like that is the real revolution and I think esports is along for that. And I don't think that's gonna go any way away anytime soon, even if like esports in itself becomes somewhat eclipsed by this broader thing.
0: I love that you brought up um, the term esports and why it's why it's a bit of a silly term because Larry every time I talk about esports Larry will talk to me and he says why don't we just call it sports why don't we why do we have to call it esports um, yeah and I it's, am, am it's like, something that I've enjoy. done so much just because it's I feel like if you just go to somebody and you just say if they're not as familiar with gaming and you just say like I'm going to go do something in sports. They'll be like, oh, you're going to play football or something. It hasn't reached that level of mainstream yet where you can just say sports or like video game sports and people will know what you're talking about.
1: Well, and there are a lot of key differences between them, right? Like, so I get why we we delineate between the two, but yeah, I would say esports is like a subsection of sports, you know, and traditional sports is the other subsection, but we're not at a place yet as a culture where people are going to really get that.
0: Larry, did you wanna? Hopefully did you wanna add to that? Because I, I might have uh, bastardized <laughs> no, your um, your I... point.
2: <laughs> no, no, I think it's uh, it's it's an opinion, right? Opinion of mine. I um, there's uh, like, I, I remember having so many conversations with friends uh about like what a sport is versus what a game is, or you know why do we call you know uh, one like like racing racing is a sport versus chess which is a game right but they're still held with a certain amount of respect depending right and um it's just one of those like it's a hard thing to place you know like when people say like oh but you're not actually doing anything when you when you're playing a game i'm like i don't i don't think you realize what you're asking of people or what goes on because maybe you're thinking of mario or you know you're thinking of um Donkey Kong, right? When you say game versus yeah. versus what people are actually talking about as a sport or a competitive game. So,
1: I mean, before we can get like this, this is a bit of a tangent. But before we can get to to people to talk about esports in the same way they talk about sports, I feel like we need to get people to just acknowledge that gaming is like, I I hate that like gaming is this weird thing that we've decided as a society is like actually segmented away to. A certain group of people and I think the the gaming industry in its early iteration wanted to try to find an audience. So it decided that it's actually young uh like males that are the the people who play video games and so they name things like Game Boy and all that shit. And so they've just un- unlike any other medium, you know, like <laughs> movies or books or anything like that, we've just decided like, no 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 this is like this part of the population that plays it, and they are these types of people or whatever. And I, I think and hope that within you a know, generation or two, we'll get to a point where like people look back and they're like, so why did we just say that like these were the types of people that enjoyed this medium? Everybody else is watching movies and TV shows and reading books and listening to music. Why did we decide that this ex- specific thing is actually just like a thing that only certain people can be a part of it? No, you know, it's like I, I appreciate the gamer thing because it helps me find other people that share my passion. But nobody's like, oh, you're a like movie watcher. You know, you're one of those <laughs> like, you you must be like, you know, super into drama and you know wearing specific types of clothing and being this type of person. You know, it's just uh, it's yeah. weird that we've we've created a whole identity off of and watching or enjoying this specific medium.
2: I, I love that you brought up the idea of, of like movie and movie because there is like subculture, right? You have people who watch movies because it's entertainment because it's fun. Then yeah. you have people who watch movies because of the art or the technical aspects. But like it's not – and to your point, it's not just one specific demographic. It is just a subset of the the larger um, activity, right? So yeah, I, I, I agree. I hope that I hope that gaming does – uh, go that way too, where it's everyone. Gaming is a thing. Gaming is a big activity. Yeah. But you might have subsets, but again, it's not limited to a demographic. Yeah.
1: I mean, and the industry just needs to figure out how to like market beyond what they they market things to and the way they market them and how they need to create stuff that is uh, appealing to a broader audience. You know, it's like imagine if movies were only ever action movies like yes that probably you would limit your potential audience to a subset <laughs> of, the, of the planet it would be like the people who like action movies and, and i think over time we have started to make games that are like hey you know it's not this is not just like a a game that's oriented towards young men um mm-hmm. and people are working on those projects and the people that make like the games that have been previously oriented towards young men i think are finding ways to Hey, maybe we could make like a female playable character. I know that's fucking wild, but like maybe we could do <laughs> hold that. Hold on, hold on. And Let's maybe... not go crazy now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um And so, so hey, maybe suddenly women wouldn't have to play like an army-looking guy as like the person they're identifying with. It's just like, um, yeah. You know, I don't. I don't think these should be controversial opinions. I think literally, if, even right. if you were just like a capitalistic. Uh, like I want to make money as a video game person. You could just say like, "Why don't we create like variety of, yeah. of video games so that we could get more people to buy them?" You know, yeah. it's like I don't know. I think There's we've gotten such a huge better market, such at a huge that
2: untapped market out there. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: Yes. So slowly but
2: surely. Yeah, I I, I love that you bring it up because uh, very much of a like mind, right? Like, uh, I can't believe I'm blanking on the word uh, when you have. People that you identify with uh, in the media that you play not accessibility I'll think of it like inclusive
1: after inclusive whatever yeah, yeah
2: like yeah a representation there you, yeah, go. Yeah. <laughs> you know having representation uh, you know that feels good it does I you know um, I'm trying to think of uh, well no I can't say that well like projects that I've I've worked on before, they'll they'll throw around the idea of like oh what if they're oh actually here's a here's a great one because I can't say this set is um, uh, written as half a Steyn half human right and I'm I'm half Korean you know half yeah. so this idea of a hybrid whatever and I'm like just from that alone from his background I automatically felt a connection to that character before I got into anything else um, and being able to do that for more than just you know that specific subset imagine being able to have so many different aspects of your personality of your background um to 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 see and and go and experience different different stories and 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 different um avenues of of yeah. the world that you're that, that you're um I'm trying to think of the right word that you're exploring no, I feel you. uh, is great yeah
0: all right larry i'm gonna ask you a question it's very important. Do you have Uh-oh. to go?
2: Okay. This very second, no.
0: Okay. Can we talk for five all more right. minutes?
2: Of course. Okay. I- I'm okay with five more minutes. <laughs> as long <laughs> as Travis is good, that's all right. Um,
0: I'm good. Okay. So we, we talked a bit about this. <sighs> I wish we had so much more time. This is such a great topic. Uh, do, What do you guys think about the, the... Do you think there will be a rise in online tournaments now that we we've sort of seen that everyone's shifting towards those? Is that going to become the standard in the future, even after COVID comes back? Or? I mean,
1: if, if you think about it, most things were online tournaments before this, right? Like, uh, again, the things that we think about when we think about esports tournaments are these, like, big live events. But the vast majority of esports tournaments are these grassroots things or these things that people are putting together on the weekends for fun or Twitch rivals that are not in physical locations. And, like... We were already kind of there it's like we've just taken a a brief step back to do to do online stuff i think what's probably true is you're going to see a lot of people figure out how to do stuff online and realize like hey this is way cheaper and we still get a lot of the same audience and so i don't for instance i don't think that the lcs studio is going to close anytime soon but i do think like perhaps like one thing i would love to see is uh more tft events that riot could make and, by, and not. You know, you can run those online. The people that run the LCS have learned how to do remote uh, games. You know, they can do that for TFT or Valorant or Rune Terror, or, you know, other stuff. So I, d- I hope that we see people take a lot of the lessons they've learned from running online stuff um, and, and apply it in other areas in the next couple of years.
0: Yeah. And we had, we had Dog on a few episodes ago and we talked a little bit about it he's not really involved with the event scene too much um ironic considering he's actually organizing a tournament for tft yes. now
1: this, um, is a, this is a sensitive topic for me because i am annoyed at how i saw your TFT tweet about it is being treated but uh yes, yes. we, we talked... you have the principal designer on something self-funding prize pools for tournaments i feel like it it's not a good look for a very esports focused company but uh That's a video I'm planning on doing later, so we don't have to
0: get into that now. But, yeah, I I think most people who are a fan of TFT and other games that have come out would be very excited to have more um, company-run events, company-run tournaments, not just the the esports-run tournaments. So Maybe we'll see more of that.
1: Yeah, I think that would be great. I think that
2: the good thing about the online tournaments coming, is, is is because you pull, you you kind of hit on it, Travis. It's like they used to be online, and that's how that's how they kind of propagated and came about. Yeah. I think that the reason there are certain there are certain games, certain aspects of of the competitive uh, nature of those games that makes sense for them to be in a closed like a, you know enclosed network and yeah. minimal ping and you know like, but there are so many games out there that that don't like you know you're talking about TFT or lore, right? Like yeah, what, like you don't need to you don't need to, to have, you know, zero ping in order to to maintain that competitive um integrity, you know what right. I mean? So I, I I foresee that as well. Maybe not for things that are um super twitch dependent, uh or latency dependent, but um I'm glad that it's happened. So people kinda go back to going like, Why did we put this in person again? Like why do we have these events again? Right. Uh, yeah. to reevaluate.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think I I I would hope it's less of a why do we do these live and more of a what more can we do on like we, yeah. we do these cool things live now we know we can do things remote mm-hmm. what other cool thing like challenge people challenge themselves to think of new things that they can do remote you know, maybe maybe financial that. constraints prevented them from from doing before.
2: Yeah, Yeah, I love that that's a great take.
0: I watch a lot of um, Linus Media or Linus Tech Tips, and he. I love
1: Linus Tech Tips. Yeah, yeah
0: he's a great, he's a great, very passionate content creator. Um, yeah, uh, he is very adamant about. Uh, I've been watching his his podcast a lot more recently. He's adamant about how he hopes once the situation recovers, if it recovers, fingers crossed. Um, how he would like to see more companies, more tech companies stop flying people out and stop doing these in-person events to introduce like the next graphics card or the next phone or the next yeah. whatever piece of tech
1: just because the he... whole tech, the tech world is in in particular, very enthusiastic about stuff like CES going away and the gaming world. I think also would like to see less E3s and stuff like the, the, what was it? Summer game fest, something recently put a bunch of stuff, made it so that people could play the games, demo the games, remotely without having to fly and and play them uh i think that that is actually uh, valorant had to do that valorant was planning on doing a boot camp before it launched with a bunch of people playing it i was going to be a part of it they canceled that and then they did like a remote session online you know saved i'm sure riot a ton of money saved other people money like i would love it if there were less things i had to to fly to and and do um keeping my costs down keeping my lights down stress I know, down nice.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah. I, I, it's so odd that we gatekeep or not we personally but the tech industry gatekeep these events that can literally just be done in a virtual format they yeah. gatekeep them to attendance like why why should everyone have to fly so to still E3? value
1: in in these these things in some sense like it like e3 is a great opportunity for me to meet a bunch of people that fly into this location all at once like you you it's a lot of network building et cetera et cetera. I think that there's still value. It's but like you can cut down a lot of the stuff by like fifty percent and uh and and keep it there. I mean for let's say you are gonna go release a triple A game and you are you need the GameSpots and IGNs of the world to like you, flying them out, putting them up up in a nice hotel, giving them a really cool experience and swag and all that stuff, um and showing that your devs are like human beings who care passionately about this like that is always going to help you even if even if it doesn't maybe it doesn't get you a better score i think in a lot of cases it might but even if it doesn't it will perhaps curb some of the harsh language somebody could use in a a review or perhaps they like try to sprinkle in like oh here are the areas they did better you know there's still value in that stuff but i i do think to your point like Flying everybody else out for a new graphics card announcement, or you know, the third hands-on with a game that you've already had the stuff with—it's just—it's probably not as necessary. Yeah,
0: and especially for the the just the common person like. A ticket, Blizzard. I'm not a huge fan of Blizzard, honestly. A lot of their practices, I just don't agree with. But and
1: lately, it's been harder to be a fan of them. They've lost <laughs> a lot of the spirit of what they once were. But yes.
0: Yeah. Um. But I have always uh appreciated their virtual BlizzCon tickets that they do. That system where it gives um people who maybe not don't have the opportunity to actually attend the event, a sort of like a way to be like, oh, I was at BlizzCon 2017. It obviously yeah. is a money making system. It costs
1: it's a huge would, yeah, it's, yeah it's really big on, but yes i agree with that
0: i like that idea i, I think that that sh- may be adopted more now that we've seen all these events be canceled yeah, the only these.
1: downside is uh i think having both is really really cool i think riot for instance undersold their l10 event their mm-hmm. 10-year like big game announcement thing because they're like tune in for a celebration and i don't think i think it was actually quite good for them that stuff started to leak ahead of time because i think that probably drove far you know if you if you looked on reddit beforehand when this stuff started to come out people were like oh can't wait for them to announce like a new skin line and a you know skin. people were quite skeptical because up until then riot had not announced a lot of really exciting things outside of league updates so um i think i do think that like the physical events can make things feel more important than they they would otherwise. Yeah. i missed miss a lot of Nintendo Directs, but if Nintendo had like a <laughs> Nintendo con, like I feel like and they were doing a live broadcast, I feel like I'd be more likely to, to tune into that.
0: Um, we had uh Ryan Rigney cactus on the show uh five or six episodes ago and he was he we asked him what his standout moment in his career was and he actually answered that like planning the League Ten was just like the most exciting thing for him. And I do feel I agree with you. I feel like they didn't sell it well enough, but I I wonder if they intentionally undersold it just to they
1: did, and yeah. that's what they would tell you. But like, <laughs> oh, you un- unintentionally sold your really you you intentionally undersold your major announcement. Uh, props. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I I I I feel like I'm being very critical of right on this show. I don't, I don't mean to be. It's just when you cover something for so long, you tend to find the things that, but like. Great. It's cool that like in a world of like I th- I think they were they were understandably concerned about things like um when when Blizzard announced Diablo Immortal or I, there was another thing that like flopped right before then or whatever. You know, like the the hype train sometimes leaves the station way too hard or like companies oversell stuff. I don't think that the answer then is like how crafty we are that <laughs> we told no one that we were gonna be announcing a game and so way less people tuned in and like had to read Reddit synopses by people who know nothing about the game other than like the little trailer that they watch. You know, it's like, yeah, I do, I do think, I do think there was an in between there where like you could, you could hype up the event and still not say this is going to be the revolution that gaming has been waiting <laughs> for all along. You know. All right, I want to be responsible, and
0: I want to, I want to stick to the limit that I gave myself. So I'm going to wrap the show up now, but I so much appreciate you coming on and taking the time to give us an hour of your time. Um, Maybe in the future, uh, we could have you back on the show in in a few weeks, few months, if you have uh, the time and we have some more hours to talk about stuff. I'd
1: definitely be down, especially since I know we had to cut this one short and there's always fun stuff to talk about, but yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you.
0: Awesome. So if you live under a rock and you don't know who Travis is, check out his Twitter. It's on screen right now at Travis Gafford youtube he's putting out <laughs> content every single day not every single day but mo- a lot of the days of the week Almost and then every day yes yeah and then twitch yeah yeah twitch.tv slash travis gafford so check him out awesome yeah. guy really appreciate him okay. taking taking the time to come on the show uh if you like this show yeah. check out the live stream night twitch.tv slash Nighthawk twenty thousand. the youtube channel we post the vod on there right afterwards same link uh if you want to catch it live We'll stream it every Wednesday. We did Tuesday this time just because of schedules, but usually Wednesday. And then um, if you just want to listen, we're on Spotify, iTunes, Google. All those links will be in the description of the YouTube video, so you can check them out there. Um, And I really appreciate you guys listening, watching, and tuning in. Appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you.